This is FCB Radio, where real talk lives. Visit us online at fcbradio.com. Okay, hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Marvel Halls and Silver Screens. My name is Sarah Lee. I am recording tonight from Washington, D.C., where I have in the background the Impeachment um, Rules Committee, I guess is what it is, is still talking about uh, the articles of impeachment because the vote is tomorrow. So <clears throat> it's, what is it, uh, it's 9 o'clock and they're still talking. So Hey, that's what's going on in D.C., but right next to my television where that's happening, I've got my lovely Christmas tree up, and most of my presents are wrapped that I'll be taking down to Atlanta, so that's at least <laughs> making me feel slightly better about this uh, this political stuff that's going on. Um, and I will talk more about that on the show today. So I hope everybody's uh, doing well out there and is gearing up for the holidays. Um, I certainly am. I'm going to go down to Atlanta and spend the week down there, possibly through the new year. haven't made that decision just yet, uh, but I've got some great gifts for people, which is my favorite part of Christmas is, you know, getting like the perfect thing, um, hopefully the perfect thing. Um, I love that so much, just like having someone be like, I really like what you got me. That makes me feel so good. Um, but I have to admit something. Uh, I cannot stand uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. I, I know that's a thing that everybody's like into now. There are one or two that I have seen that I think are decent. Uh, there's one that I think is very good. I think it's called A Season for Miracles. It's, you know, got to be 10 years old now. And every once in a while it'll come on and I'll catch it and I really like it. Um, it's got some fairly well-known actresses in it, which I think is why it's good because the acting is really well done. Beyond that, I just really don't like them. I think they're cheesy, and they don't really do anything for me. But then I never really liked um, uh, soap operas that much either, except as sort of cheesy, campy stuff. So um, I just wanted to get that out of the way. There are some movies that I love to watch at Christmas time. Um, <clears throat> it's a Wonderful Life. I watch it every year. Elf is great. Grinch is great. Uh, Last Holiday is awesome. The Holiday is awesome. Just Friends. Um, there's a couple I haven't seen yet that I want to see, like uh, The Night Before, which is like some dude bro movie. Um, one of my new favorites is Office Christmas Party. I think it's hilarious. So I do love watching Christmas movies. I just am not down with the Hallmark stuff. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just too, you know, Maybe I've got a lump of coal for a heart. I don't know, <laughs> but they're just not my speed. Um, before we get into the rest of the show, though, I do want to say at the top of the show that I just noticed that on Saturday, I'm not, I haven't really been a huge Saturday Night Live fan in, in quite some time, although there are some sketches that I see that I think are funny. But I, I, I used to love Saturday Night Live when I was in high school and, and the very early stuff, uh, which came out before I was even really around. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I'm a big fan of Saturday Night Live in general. But the last several years, I haven't really been paying much attention to it. However, this Saturday, Eddie Murphy is going to be hosting and Lizzo is the musical guest. So... That's probably a must-see, if for no other reason, just 
the pure, I think this is the first time Eddie will have been back to Saturday Night Live uh, since he was a cast member, and he was a fantastic cast member. I want to say he was like the youngest ever. I think he was like 19 or something when he started on Saturday Night Live. So, um, so that's probably a must-see. So I just want to throw that out there. If you're into Eddie Murphy, he's going to be hosting Saturday Night Live uh, Saturday. Um, I will definitely be watching it because I love me some Eddie Murphy. I mean, I like Eddie Murphy so much that I even like that movie Norbit. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Norbit. I think it's hilarious. I think it is very, very funny. Um, and I'm not ashamed to admit that. So anyway, that's going on on Saturday, so check that out. Um, okay, so let's get into the rest of the show, and I'll keep it short today. I'm not sure, by the way, if I'm going to be recording next week at the same time, since it's actually Christmas next Wednesday. So I'll probably record once between Christmas and New Year's, um, but I'm not sure when that'll drop. It'll probably be late in the week next week, maybe even over the weekend. Not quite sure, but um, I'll do what I always do. I'll put a, um, you know, I'll write something at Red State and sort of package it that way, but it's probably not going to come out on Christmas. I just don't see myself doing that. So next week will be a little bit weird, but <clears throat> we'll see what happens. Okay, so on to the show. Just briefly, I want to talk about impeachment. Like I said, I think it just went off. I think C-SPAN just stopped it. So clearly they ended at 9 o'clock. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about impeachment and where we go on the um, sort of FISA court abuses because uh, those are the competing narratives right now. Um, <clears throat> and some things have happened uh, today, really, since they are going to be voting tomorrow on impeachment, and it looks like it's definitely going to pass in the House um, so I want to talk briefly about that. Then I have a couple of reviews. I did go and see Richard Jewell, um, which was fantastic. I, I wrote a review for Town Hall about it. I want to talk about that. But before I talk about that, I want to review something that I just on a whim watched. Um, it's Tiffany Haddish's uh, Netflix special. I think it's called Black Mitzvah. Um, and I want to just review that for you as well. I, I like Tiffany Haddish. Um, I've always liked her, everything I've seen her in. I like her a lot more now after seeing her Netflix special. She's hilarious. But anyway, I'll review that. And then finally, I just want to talk about, and I'll wrap this into the Richard Jewell uh, segment. Um, what, you know, what happens on, what's happened to our news, right? Um, in, in light of the Richard Jewell movie coming out and what we know has happened with the um, Russia collusion situation that the press, as the AG called it, the irresponsible press, helped promote this collusion illusion, basically. Um, and I want to talk about that in relation to something that happened at the Army-Navy game and how quickly things kind of, the press didn't really do that, but they certainly did pick up on the story. And, and I want to talk about what happens now with the press um, and where we go from here, um, and especially in the age of social media where things take off so quickly and, and reputations can be ruined for things that actually didn't even happen, um, and what, the, what role the, the press plays in all of that and how I think maybe they're going to need to start adjusting if they want to survive, basically. Um, so that, I want to end the show with that. I know that's kind of heavy, but... I think we can end it on a hopeful note because uh, I think there's some good things that, that can happen there if they're willing to uh, embrace them. Okay, so let's talk impeachment. Like I said, oh, and by the way, I'm having an Irish coffee. I was reminded the other day that that is actually my favorite alcoholic beverage, uh, just some whiskey and some coffee. I've got some whip, whipped cream on the top. Um, it's 
pretty good if you put a little Baileys in it. I didn't have any Baileys. So it's literally just coffee and whiskey with a little bit of cream. Um, and it's, uh, it's so good, especially on a cold evening, which is how it's gotten very cold in D.C. So uh, that said, so if I get a little loopy, it's because of the whiskey. Um, all right, so impeachment. So they're just wrapping up the impeachment, articles of impeachment, the, um, the rules committee that's been debating it all day. Um, Rep. Doug uh, Collins of Georgia, my home state, um, you know, has been remarkable in his sort of, he's just, he, he just kind of is like baffled and bewildered by the whole thing, right? I think a lot of us are because, <clears throat> and, and I don't want to get into the, to the, you know, you can look up what's going on with impeachment easily, but I will say that given that they've been trying to impeach the man literally since he was elected, to now come up with this, like, phone call as the excuse to do it. And, by the way, because Senator McConnell has essentially indicated that when it gets to the Senate, it's pretty much dead on arrival. They have the votes in the House to pass it through the House. But the Senate is, you know, the majority is Republican. And it's very likely not going to go anywhere in the Senate. McConnell seems pretty confident about that. Um... They've already indicated that they're going to keep trying to impeach him. <laughs> um, I don't know how to express how ridiculous that is. Uh, at, at some point, Democratic members of Congress are going to have to let this go and get back to the job at hand, which is being legislators in the United States government. They're not doing anything but trying to impeach Trump. It's what they've been doing for the past three years. I expect them to continue through the election. Uh, that, should, uh, that should appall people. That they, That's all they've been doing, especially in light of what we now know, which is that at the same time this was all going on, there was also this manufactured smear campaign to make it look like the Trump administration was working with the Russians. Uh, and, and they were using salacious and false uh, rumor and innuendo cooked up in this Steele dossier to get warrants to through a secret court to spy on Americans who had associations with the Trump administration. Um, the Democrats, sorry to say if you're listening to this and you're a Democrat, they've been doing nothing good. <laughs> they, they have a real problem in their party. Um, I, I think they probably can get it worked out. I'm sure they have members that are not corrupt, but it's not looking good for them right now, especially when this Durham report comes out in a couple of months, which has been examining the the predicate to the Russia collusion investigation, i.e. What, what evidence they may have had or not had to open an investigation into the Trump campaign. Uh, it looks like there are going to be some indictments related to that. Um, you know, a grand jury has already been impaneled. It's legitimately corrupt what they did. So all of this has been going on, and yet on the, the flip side, they're trying to say that Trump is corrupt. It's so, it's ridiculous. Um, it's also just kind of politics, although this is like politics on steroids. Uh, Trump, to his credit, uh, wrote a six-page letter on the eve of his impeachment, because I think he knows that tomorrow is the vote, and they're likely going to vote to impeach in the House. 
Uh, he wrote a six-page letter to Nancy Pelosi and was pretty much just gave her a piece of his mind that he thought it was <clears throat> a violation of her oath, that the Democrats are uh, damaging the country. Uh, you can read it, you know, just go Google Trump's letter and you'll find it. Of course, most news outlets are characterizing it that it's rambling and it's ragey and it's just... I read it and I was like, I totally get it. It's like when someone mistreats you and you've decided to cut off communication with them, but you want to let them know why. You want to let them know why you've done what you needed to do, which is back off or whatever it might be. Um, that, you know, sometimes it's good to just memorialize that so that someone knows. And, the, and he says that in his letter. He wants this down for posterity. Uh, I thought it was a good letter. Um, you can tell that he had a, a large part, you know, hand in actually writing it himself. It sounds like him. It's in his voice. So, you know, again, this, and, and to do this as well right before an election, uh, when the American people can just vote him out if they don't like him. It, this is, if you're a Democrat and you're listening to this, I can't, I, I'm begging you to, to get out the vote for candidates that are better than what you've got on the Hill right now. Because these guys haven't done a lick of work. All they've done is try to run cover for the members of their party who were ensconced in, a in the intelligence agencies and were, you know, trying to get rid of Trump. And so they've been running cover to try to distract from that narrative that's been happening related to Russia collusion. It's not good, man. It's not good. So that's the politics, uh, you know. And, and, and again, that's the politics side of the show tonight. And again... They are already indicating that if it's dead on arrival in the Senate, they're going to keep trying, only this time they're going to go back to Russia collusion and they're going to go back to the Mueller report. It's just that there might be something in there. It is just, it's getting out of hand and it's, 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 it's a waste of time, it's a waste of taxpayer money, and it's insulting to the voters who voted these people in to do a job. So that's how I feel about it. I'm exhausted by it. I mean, I'm, I think everyone in D.C. is exhausted by it. Except for maybe Trump. I think he's kind of enjoying it because they're really exposing who they are. And that's actually good for him. I don't think he's going to have any trouble winning this election in 2020. So that's the politics side. We'll move on from that. Again, you can Google all of this stuff. I encourage you to do that. Look it up. Don't listen to me. I mean, listen to me. Definitely listen to me. <laughs> but um, make up your own minds about it. Go read what I'm talking about. Go Google these things. Figure out what you think about it. Um, <clears throat> maybe you'll disagree. Maybe you think that this is exactly what the Democrats need to be doing. But definitely go and um, inform yourselves. It's extraordinarily important that you do that. I don't think a lot of people have been doing that, and we are ending up with a millennial and younger generation that is really uninformed. They're underinformed, but they think they know everything. It's it's quite stunning to listen to them and see the the way they speak on Twitter. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so go look some of this stuff up. Get get right with what you think about it. Um, and, uh, you know, get to work getting people in office that, uh, that represent your values. I, I have a feeling that four years of doing nothing but going after Trump is not most people's value, value system. Um, okay, so moving on from that. Before I talk about Richard Jewell, 
Uh, I want to mention the Tiffany Haddish um, Netflix show. I, I like Tiffany Haddish. I've always liked her. In in the films I've seen her in, I know she she did um, she wrote a book and that was very popular. Um, and I've seen her in a couple of movies, and she's always very funny. She always does sort of the, you know, she's got like character bits or whatever, but she's always really funny and really engaging. So I was like, yeah, well, you know, there's this new movie she's in right now, I think Girl, Girl Boss or something like that, with uh, <clears throat> Salma Hayek and Rose Byrne, two of, you know, actresses I really like. So I was like, oh, yeah, well, let me see her Netflix special. You know, maybe that'll make me decide if I really want to see their new movie. Um, Boss Lady, maybe, is what it's called. Uh, so I did. I watched Tiffany Haddish's uh, Netflix special. She's hilarious. She is so funny. I love her to death, especially after this. Like, she's gross, and she can be raunchy and hilarious. She reminded me a lot of my sister. <laughs> and I need to text my sister, Laura, and be like, you got to see her Netflix special. You'll love it. Um, but she's also got a lot of heart. Like, this is a girl who, a woman, because I think she's, you know, she's 40, so she's not a young little whippersnapper. She's not old, but she's not a young little whippersnapper, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but she came up through some tough times, right? She was in foster care. Her mother wasn't very nice to her. Um, she really didn't know what her heritage was. She's since kind of reconnected with that. Her father's Eritrean, uh, and he was Jewish. So she has, I think she's uh, converted to Judaism now. Um, but she talks about all of that. You know, and it's hilarious in her Netflix special about what it was like growing up, raising yourself, basically, because she didn't have anybody raising her. And some of the things that she had to learn on her own where normally you might have a parent explaining to you what's happening. Um, so she's got a lot of heart. There's a lot of, um, you know, wisdom in, in what she's saying. And she says that. She's like, I know what I'm here to do. I'm supposed to teach people. Um you know, <laughs> even though the knowledge, as she calls it, might be pretty unconventional. But but regardless, she's extremely funny and very self-effacing and um, very, uh, very smart. Um, she's, you know, she knows how to deliver a joke, but she can also riff uh, pretty well. Um, so, like, you know, something happens with her microphone pack that's hitting her in the back and she just kind of riffs on that for a little while while they're trying to get it sorted out and she's just hilarious like she's one of those women that as a woman I'm like I wish I could be friends with this person you know <laughs> like I wish I knew her in high school and we could have sat on the back of the bus together and made fun of people together um <clears throat> so anyway I would see uh, I would recommend you see Tiffany Haddish's uh Black Mitzvah it's very good um, again, really hilarious and, uh, and definitely worth a viewing. Okay, so Richard Jewell. So I went and saw Richard Jewell, and I think I mentioned this on last week's show. Uh, so this happened while I was still, I'm, as I've mentioned, I know a million times I'm from Georgia. And while, when the Richard Jewell thing happened, I was working as a reporter at a newspaper in Athens, Georgia. And I was thinking about moving back to Atlanta, and when this happened, I had been looking at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I switched gears. I was pretty upset. It, it upset me what happened to Richard Jewell. Um, 
it was obvious to me while it was happening that they were smearing this man. That they, I mean, I didn't know if he was guilty or innocent, but it was obvious that they were trying him in the press. I think most people could see that. And then when it turned out that he was innocent, it was that much worse. So the film itself is it's a fascinating film because it's incredibly understated. Now, Clint Eastwood has a way of doing that. His films tend to be understated. They're, they're character studies, usually. Um, <clears throat> even the films he made when he was acting and not necessarily directing. It's always a character study, um, and they're always really interesting characters. And that's pretty much what he's done here with, with Richard Jewell and his mother and the lawyer, the attorney. Um, and they do, you know, the writer of the film definitely did take some artistic license. Um, you know, he, the big flap was, did the reporter sleep with the FBI agent to get the tip? Um there's no direct evidence that this reporter did that, but what they do have is anecdotal evidence that she was known to have, you know, used her sexuality to get tips. So they just kind of applied it to this case. Um, they also had her basically being redeemed at the end of the film, and guess what? There's no evidence that she ever saw the wrong in what she did to Richard Jewell. So they humanized her a bit, too, that no one's talking about that. But as for the film itself, again, it's a very subtle film, um, and I want to clarify something, because when I wrote the piece, the review that I wrote, I made a big deal out of the fact that at the end of the film, and again, this may be a bit arti of artistic license, it's hard to know uh, if this happened, because the only person that probably would be able to confirm it decided not to participate in the film, and that's the attorney. Richard Jewell has passed away, and this ha the, the scene that I'm referring to is a deposition with the FBI agents and his attorney in the room. The attorney um, is d decided not to participate with this film, so that's why his name is different in the film. So whether or not it, went, it played out like this is hard to say, um, but I made I was quite impressed with the fact that at the end of the film... Richard Jewell finally speaks up. He finally tells, throughout the whole film, and rightly so, his attorney is like, do not speak to them without me. Like, that's a, you know, innocent people shouldn't do that. They, <clears throat> if you're accused of something, you do not, you, you keep your own counsel and you call your attorney. Um, you do not incriminate yourself. Um, so when I wrote my review and I say that, that Richard Jewell saves himself by speaking up, I don't mean when they bring him in for questioning. He does the right thing there. He calls his attorney. What I mean is at the end of the film, his attorney and everyone has always told him, just don't speak. Just don't speak. Let me do the talking. Just don't speak. And when they're in the deposition, he finally, and his attorney lets him. You know, he, he tries to stop him slightly, but then realizes that maybe it's time for Richard to speak for himself. And what he does is he tells the FBI agent that, that he was someone who, as a, he aspired to law enforcement and that he had always admired them as sort of the pinnacle of what he wanted to do with his life. And because of how they've treated him, he no longer feels that way, that he doesn't see them. They have, their image has been significantly tarnished.
And you realize that what Clint and the filmmaker, the uh, screenwriter, are doing there is they're they're showing you that Richard spoke up for himself. He he was the wounded wannabe uh, law enforcement um, officer that they had smeared, and he played. Not intentionally, I don't think, but he plays in the film. Again, no way to know how this went down, but in the film, he plays on their um, their sense of justice, right? Um, and it 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 changes them. They end up, you know, clearing him as a suspect. Um, <clears throat> and so I made a big deal of that because I think that's a huge point in my review. We are responsible for speaking up when there is injustice to us and to others. Uh, you can't just sit by and not say anything. Again, I want to differentiate between in the film or if you're arrested and you're you know, um, improperly charged with something, call your attorney. But I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about not letting people destroy you without defending yourself and I don't mean with violence and I don't mean you know I'm just saying speak up as individuals we have a responsibility to ourselves to do that and as members of the broader community of people in the world we have a responsibility to civilization to do that I know that sounds strange but I mean that uh, civil, you know, civilized societies only work if we all kind of do our part to make sure that they work. And that includes addressing injustice when you see it. So I thought that was a really great and poignant part of the film. It was very subtle. Um, and I recommend you seeing this film. It, it really could happen to any of us. And I think in light of the Russia collusion, um, you know, situation um, where essentially the exact same thing happened. The FBI, along with the um, irres irresponsible press, as Attorney General Barr terms it, um, basically smeared the Trump campaign in the same way. Only this time, there seems to be malice behind it. In Jewel's case, it was just sort of something that got out of hand. They were, of course, going to look at him as a potential suspect. That's police work. He found the bomb. But because the reporter broke the story, uh, possibly unethically, they kind of made it, it became bigger and got out of hand than it probably ever should have. But there wasn't any malice. It's not like they were after Richard Jewell. They just were, they just were unable to, to rein it in. Um, and there's a great, and I'll end with this, there's a great article from a person who was working at CNN when this went down. Uh, he was a, a writer or a, a reporter or a producer. I can't remember what his title was. His last name is Schuster, and you can find his piece. I found it in the Washington Post. But it is a, basically it's an apology, even though Richard Jewell is dead and gone and can't hear it. Um, this reporter has carried the burden of the knowledge of how this all went down and how they let it get out of hand for 20 years, and um, it's a really interesting piece. It basically, I think the headline is something like, you know, I helped ruin Richard Jewell's life. Again, Google it. 
Um, it's a very good article, and you really feel this, guys. Um, I'm not trying to say that his um, his uh, feelings of guilt outweigh what they did. I'm just saying that it it's it's palpable. It's it's very poignant how much he feels the weight of that. That 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 they just sort of let it get huge and. He mentions that in today's world, it's even worse because of social media. Can you imagine how quickly, he says, Richard Jewell would have been destroyed in 2019? And I want to segue from that into the last subject. That's exactly right. Um, it has gotten a lot worse. Uh, and something happened at the Army-Navy game, for example, where if you haven't heard of the circle game, most guys know it. Um, you know, where somebody puts a circle down below their waist, and if you look at it, they get to punch you in the shoulder. Well, <laughs> the nice way is in the shoulder. A lot of guys I know actually hit you, hit each other in the um, crotch, right? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little more painful. That's why it's kind of funny, right? Um, but it's a it's a it's a childhood game. It's a it's a playground game. Everyone knows it. I mean, there have been television shows where they play it. I mean, it's it's a thing. Well, the Army Navy cadets were shown on TV basically doing this on TV, and these are kids. Remember, they're like late late teens, early twenties, um, and they're doing the circle game on TV. Well, <clears throat> sometime back, four uh, chan which is the basically the dark web internet troll idiots, right? All the I'm smarter than you trolls hang out there. And they decided to prank everybody and say, yeah, that okay sign, the circle game okay sign, that actually is a white power symbol. It's not. It never has been. That's a joke that they played. Well, the left side of the political aisle picked up on it, and they... I mean, anytime anybody made it, they're like, oh my gosh, if somebody was caught doing a, you know, okay sign, and it was someone the left didn't like, all of a sudden they are white supremacists, right? That's been going on for about a year now, possibly longer, but I want to say about a year. And they haven't been able to admit that they got trolled by, you know, the internet idiots. Well, here's what happened. So that happens at the Army-Navy game on TV. Uh, all the weirdos on Twitter start going, what? These kids should be, unbelievably, they're like, they should be kicked out of, you know, their respective schools, which is just absurd. Like, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. And this is fine on Twitter, but then USA Today picks it up and writes a story about it. And Army Times is like, yep, the Army's investigating whether or not this was a white power symbol. So this is what the new this is what journalism has become and it's almost like they haven't learned their lesson from the Richard Jewell times. Um, although this one reporter Schuster apparently has. Uh, but if journalists and the media in general don't start tightening that stuff up and stop just putting stuff out there because it's clickbaity, um Things are just going to get worse, and it's going to be their fault. The whole circle game thing never should have become a mainstream news article. It, it was absurd. Now, arguably, you could say, well, it's happening, so it's legitimately, therefore, news. 
but the press has got to understand that when they that that's that's a certain kind of news I like to call it panic at the disco right you're selling panic stop doing that right it's not it's not helping anything it's not it's not furthering anyone it's not instructing anyone it's not teaching anybody anything you're just making things worse okay I mean that that's kind of how I feel about it I'm sure there are other people with different thoughts on it certainly reporters and journalists who have different feelings on it um, but I just think if we don't get better about that we're gonna have bigger more significant problems um, and I'm gonna end on on something uh, that um, you know I don't know if, if anybody's familiar with but with this, but some time ago, um, the actor Denzel Washington was being interviewed on the red carpet for something. I can't even remember. He was promoting a movie or something. And I want to say the film had something to do with journalism. Um, there was some journalistic element to the characters or something like that. And so someone asks him, or if it wasn't that, then some story had come out recently um, you know, that he maybe had done or said or been or something that had, had been proven erroneous. So some person at this red carpet event asks Washington, you know, about this thing um, or about journalism in general. And he says the most it's just profound thing, and I think about it all the time. He says that, that journalists, I hope I don't butcher it, that everybody's rushing to be first and nobody's worrying about being right, right? Um, and that's a problem. And he's like, he even puts it back on the reporter asking the question. He's like, what a responsibility you have to communicate these things that are happening in the world. Uh, don't you want to be, don't you want to get it right? You know what I mean? I think about that constantly. So I'm not trying to come down on journalism in general. Uh, it, because I think it's a it's a good profession. It's an important one, but I do think everyone has to stop worrying so much about being first, like Washington says, and start worrying more about being right, getting it right, and having some ethics about it. Right? If you know that something like the Circle Game uh, is going to lead to you know, you're stirring up a hornet's nest, people already mad, screaming that some of these kids should be kicked out of their, you know, out of um, Annapolis. Uh, it, it, have some responsibility and maybe don't write about that. <laughs> don't make it worse, right? I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's a hard, there, there aren't any easy answers there, but I just know that until that profession starts behaving more like adults, we're going to, especially on top of the, how quickly information moves on social media, we're going to continue to have these sort of civil society problems. Um, so that's my show. Uh, I will, as I mentioned, I hope, I hope some of this has given you some things to think about, um, especially if you're listening to this and, and you're in the communications world. Um, we do have a responsibility to... Uh, to be truthful and a as accurate as possible and not causing a panic all the time. I mean, I believe that we're here to help each other. That's one of our reasons for being, okay? Um, and, and you're not helping anyone when you're causing panic. 
and you're tearing down the fabric of civil society. So, um, so I hope some of this has uh, given you some things to think about, and you'll go look it up. Go see Richard Jewell. It's really good, or wait for it to come out um, on Netflix or wherever it comes out on Amazon Prime, whatever. Um, it's, it's very, very good. Um, and I, I didn't mention this. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser, who plays Richard Jewell, is fantastic. He's very understated throughout the whole film, but the, but the scene where it's finally over for him is heart-wrenching and beautiful and just a really nice piece of acting. Kathy Bates' mother is also fantastic. So, um, so yeah, see Richard Jewell. Uh, Tiffany Haddish, you can just stream that right now on Netflix. Hilarious. Love her to death. I hope she keeps doing more and more things. Bigger and better. She's great. She also has a great, looks like she's got a really good heart. And it's good to have people like that out there, you know, talking to us. Because it's better to have light in the world. Even if it comes in the form of somebody talking, you know, crude sex jokes. <laughs> than it is to have this cynicism in the darkness and all of that. So she's definitely a child of light, it looks like to me. So um, see her show. It's very funny. Again, it's raunchy, but it's very good. Um, and then, of course, impeachment's tomorrow. So you know, I'm sure you'll hear whatever the outcome is with the rest of us. Um, try, to, try not to let it make you cynical. And that's what I'm going to end on. So y'all be good. Uh, I'll have something for you next week. Not sure when. Um, but take care. Be nice to each other. And happy, happy, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, have a lovely new year. Kiss your babies. Um, hug your loved ones. And just enjoy, enjoy the season. Because it's, uh, it's such a beautiful time. All right. Take care, y'all. The FCB Radio Network, first class broadcasting worldwide.